The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. Oh! 
Now that is what I call a gem. That was tasty. You heard it here first, yeah. folks. <laughs> Man, I dug that. That was cool. You never that know when it's, cool. when it's time to dust off a little cake. Yeah. Because we wanted, we knew, out of the uh, the all breadth of selections we had for the opening gem tonight. Yeah, it was a long list. Yeah, and we went back and forth and back and forth. And then I threw out War Pigs. Both of her eyes perked up. And then I doubled down on, how about cake? Doing more pigs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's unfortunately because the original is like what twenty minutes long or something. Yeah, and it, it's it's just it's studio fluff. Yeah, too, before you and get to the meat. Yeah, the, cake the song. Got, got right down to business. They got right to the heart of it. Right, this isn't Laser Floyd. Been all, all night to listen to this shit. <laughs> and this once again uh, tips into Johnny's love of cake. Yes, you know I, gotta, I just love the irre- the irreverence. Yeah, and you the B flat harmonies. I gotta say, I I, I kind of took those guys for granted until you kind of said, "No, check this shit out." And see, my work like here I'm, is done now. Yeah, man, suddenly I'm digging <laughs> those guys. But yeah, so, that was uh, tasty, man. That was cool. I dug it. Yeah, glad and, you like it, and yeah. I hope everyone else liked it too. I picked that one off of the uh, 2007 album B sides and rarities. Okay, and as I mentioned to you earlier, Michael, it's one of the the few bands I could probably count on one hand. The Who. Van Halen, yeah, uh, a lot of Billy Joel, but now one of the few bands I have all of their CDs. Nice. I think they put out nice. like eight albums. Actually, Weezer would be another one, right? But um, yeah, it's just like one after the other, and it's you know that that excitement you harken back to sometimes when you say what it was like, you know, waiting for yeah. the new release to drop that day. And yeah. Well, I got I got to kind of have a, a habit of taking a lot of bands for granted, mm-hmm. and then somebody, you know, in this case, you said, no, wait a minute, dig this. And it's like, wow, maybe I missed that. Maybe, yeah. maybe I need to, you know, reconsider my yeah. opinion of these guys. And go back a few and think that I've, again. I've come across that, you know, maybe your, your only exposure to it is their one or two quote unquote radio hits, right. and you decide you don't like it, and then you go back and listen, and you're like, wow, there's a lot more going on here. Well, usually the radio hits are the cheesiest bullshit, exactly. you know, <laughs> material that any given band has done. Could have been written know? by a robot. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But as usual. There is a bit of an agenda that we have. We always have an agenda. We're, We're almost like our own little political party. Yeah. The, let's call ourselves the ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> yeah, I think that fits. Yeah. I do. I do. Because we're never happy with anything. No. And we don't like what anybody else does either. This is also true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you, I, I was intrigued when you suggested this topic in pre-show uh, because there's obviously a lot to discuss here. And you have a very yeah. interesting theory on this, I have to say. I mean, the obvious reasons and, you know... To let people in, we're, mm. we're talking about the U.S. Uh, pullout from Afghanistan. Yes, um, timely pullout. Yeah, and it's obviously you know creating a lot of controversy, a lot of different mm-hmm. people with a lot of different agendas are weighing in. Yeah, you know, and I, a lot uh, of a lot of bullshit, a lot of douchebaggery on the weighing in part too. I gotta say, yep. you know, and it's funny, and I'm glad you put it that way because there's douchebaggery on both sides. Yeah, and as I said to you when we first started talking about it, my knee jerk reaction. Which I've grown to embrace, okay? (laughs) Because, you know, it it lets you know where you stand right up front, and then you move on from there. Well, sometimes that's the truest reaction, too. That's the one that's that's most, you know, the most unfiltered, exactly. you know, not taking into account the bullshit, you yep. know. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's the truest course So my, right my knee-jerk reaction, yes. you know, like, like most Americans, you know, when, when, you, when you pull out of an engagement and there's nothing you could really hail as an objective that was gained, yeah. I think everybody, at least in, in our age bracket, immediately goes back to them pushing helicopters off the yep. carrier yep. decks and everybody yep. bailing out of uh, Hanoi at the yeah, last which minute. A, it was a harrowing image. And right. I, I think, quite honestly... Just because we are who we are, mm-hmm. putting it in, in a term like pull out. It's a huge shit sandwich and we're all going to have to take a bite. Right. That just that 
goes over like a dead fish. Right. You know? And then your next thought is always, well, look at the cost of, of life. And I do believe you've got some figures it's for us. It's absolutely staggering. You know, we've been over there for 20 years. Obviously, this was, you know, a reaction to 9-11. But in the 20 years we've been over there, we've blown $2.26 trillion, according to the Cost of War Project. It's a staggering sum, you know? you please tell me how I can see this as anything but a total disaster? And... Uh, 200, uh, excuse me, 2,400 uh, U.S. troops killed, over 20,000 wounded. 20,000. Which I think that's the truly staggering number right there. Right. Uh, another 3,800 U.S. private security contractors, also known as mercenaries, have been killed over there. Um, you know, some, some, you want to talk about like blowing cash into the ether. We spent $9 billion trying to get uh, the Afghans to stop selling heroin around the world, and that flat out didn't work. Mm -hmm. And this, over the course of this 20 years, Opium sales peaked to record highs uh, around the world. Uh, we've spent another $296 billion in medical and other care for those U.S. vets that were injured over there. I mean, it's just it's staggering when you take right. it into account. It's just staggering. And this is why we front-loaded it, folks, with those stark black-and-white facts, because yeah. that all adds to that initial knee-jerk reaction of, this is bullshit, we're cutting tail and running. No, no. That's, that's an idiot... <laughs> Idiot response to this. It's right. really idiot uninformed response. It's 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 but a it's lot the deeper one than that. that we're being offered by mainstream media. Quite a few people in mainstream media are fostering this bullshit. It now, is true. if you were to pull some um, exterior ulterior facts from different sources, yeah, you could lay these things out. Like uh, what's that thing that made you eat with the the food groups? It was like the food pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still can't come up with the perfect you know metaphor for the, for the puzzle I'm trying to describe, but. Yeah. Look at it this way. The United States economy was essentially destroyed, whether intentionally or unintentionally, by the COVID-19 virus, yep. which came from our biggest, let's not say enemy yet, let's our say good adversary. Friends, our, our good right. friends. Let's the be, Chinese, let's be politically correct okay? here. Whose, whose economy is booming, who is now collectively thumbing their nose at the Western world, <laughs> saying... What are you going to do? And then well, I came they, out with that statement last yeah. week. You'll find your heads crack like a, like a typical like Baghdad Bob spokesman. Where do oh, these yeah. people come from? Well, we always your heads a, will be cracked and bloodied. I know. Seriously. <laughs> well, we always need a villain. You know, yeah. we always need a villain. Russia has gone by the wayside. They can't be taken seriously right. anymore other than the cyber hacking shit that's going on. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, China has emerged as, you know, the monster on the on horizon. several different fronts. But yes. let's just look at the economical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but... China is is heavily invested in the infrastructure, uh, natural resources, mining, minerals, and whatnot in Afghanistan. Interesting. Okay? And they've also entered multi-year, like decade-long, massive um, economic growth contracts with Pakistan, which also borders Afghanistan. Also interesting, okay? yeah. So it behooves China to somehow have a very stabilized region so that uh, you know the economy can, can prosper. At least business can do business right. without massive interruptions. Yeah. So we're leaving now, yeah. and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and probably elements of ISIS are licking their chops oh, yeah. to take over almost immediately not just the Afghan government, but every aspect of their infrastructure, which, yes, is going to include all of these deep mines, the oil fields, the national gas line, you name it. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, that was another goal of ours that didn't, didn't quite come to fruition. We were, we were trying to undercut the power of the Taliban. The Taliban has increased 
the territory that they control over yes, there now. Yes, they have. Yeah, so that didn't work either. Arrogance may not be a uniquely American trait, but I must say you do it better than anyone. Right. Yeah. So now you've got China trying to tentatively, you know, hold on to these these investments. Okay. Yeah. And on the the United States is heavily vested in, you know, they, they don't we don't call Pakistan an adversary. Yeah. But it's a very alliance to begin with. Whereas yeah. us in India, we're best buddies. We're have buds. been for a yeah. very long time now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And obviously, India and Pakistan hate each other, okay? <laughs> so you've got that little, like, looking across each other at the trenches right there. Yeah. So if you throw all this together, what you're going to have is now a very distracted China because they will inevitably fall into the same trap that Great Britain did, that the Soviet Union did, and now the United States did, yeah. is that you can successfully occupy and reshape in your own image the landscape or populace of Afghanistan. Yeah, no, this it's is a where fool's errand. Yeah, this is where great nations right. go to die. You're looking you know? at windmills, and yeah. you would think after all of these, especially recent episodes, okay, yeah. the historians of the world would look at this place and say, you know what, we'll take a hard pass. Well, you know, if you're if you're China and you're looking at this situation, like I'm sure they were, it was a good investment because the United States were the ones that were like exactly. maintaining some exactly. kind of stability in the region. And it's just like, well, we'll take advantage of that. Yep. They probably didn't anticipate, given the ego, given the ego of this country, that we'd have a bail on this situation. Correct. You know, and now suddenly they're going, oh shit. Right. The you biggest know? piece of the Jenga puzzle has been removed. <laughs> exactly. And that fucker's teetering now. Yeah. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, this is actually a, a stroke of, of diplomatic and geopolitical maneuvering on, on a genius level heretofore not seen for about 20 to 30 years yeah. and i have to give credit to the biden administration and Are folks, you kidding folks me? johnny is cringing <laughs> as he's saying this he's sweating it's 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 nasty i mean i i, I am I'm, I'm freaking out i don't even know any of the archetypes that are in the like the defense hierarchy right now yeah. <laughs> like who the joint yeah. chiefs are because if so then then shit kudos to them yeah but yes i mean this whole thing from what i can see is so well orchestrated oh, it's yeah. genius level for once mm -hmm. we're playing chess and the rest of the world sorry china for the pun is playing checkers <laughs> okay because i'm a genius yeah i mean the, the the great geopolitical chess game that goes on constantly you know, nobody reveals their agenda. Nobody, you know, comes comes that forward with things. But right. yeah, it's it's if you look at the facts, and it's funny because when I was rehearsing, or yeah, when I was researching this, thank you, vodka. Uh, after you suggested this, you know, and I went down and I noted all these facts, and it was just like, holy fuck! At the bottom, I literally wrote, "China can fucking have it," yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's really where it's at. Yeah. And uh, and this is uh, if you put it in this context, and if you are correct. And I have a funny feeling that if you're not dead on accurate on this, you're pretty goddamn close. Um, yeah, even this a was, broken watch is right twice a day. And there you go. This was this was handed, you know, to the Biden administration on a silver platter. Right. It really was, and it's and it's kind of funny that prior administrations, you know, made noise about doing this, but they mm -hmm. never actually did. Right. And now the Biden administration is saying, hey, fuck it, we're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're bailing out. And they're serious. They are bailing out. Yeah. This, is, this is not bullshit. And sometime in, in any level of, I don't know, confrontation or sometimes negotiation, being the strong silent type is, is normally the best strategy, but also the hardest one to execute. Oh, yeah. Because you all want to just either say something or do something. And if you're looking at it, 
the Biden administration and hopefully, you know, the ones that come after it mm-hmm. will succeed in this endeavor just by being meh and not doing anything. And yeah. they're they're breaking the ankles of, of the Chinese defenders. Basketball reference. <laughs> because they don't know how to react. They're like, well, they're just letting us in. Well, let's go on in then. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because this would be a, a situation more suited to the Chinese given that they have a much more long-term right. vision on things. It's like <laughs> maybe in 100 years we can unfuck this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Americans aren't quite that patient. Right. And, and the Afghani warlords, you know, who at this point... You know, they, they've run through their cache of Soviet weapons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're leaving a shit ton of stuff behind. So oh, they'll yeah. be using that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you know it, they're going to be back on horseback with RPGs. It's going to be like Rambo possible. 3 or something. Yeah, I know. Well, it, it'll depend on how, how, how extensive the Chinese care to play ball with this. Right. Because there's a, there's a term. It's a CIA term. It's called blowback. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard this term before. And it's amazing that they even had to come up with a term for it. It's when... You know, a former ally uses the training and the weapons that you Indeed. gave them against you. Right. You know, and, and a, to a great extent, that's what 9-11 was. Mm-hmm. You know, we backed the Afghanis, you know, when the Soviets were in town mm-hmm. and, uh, and very much turned the situation on the Soviets. And then it came around to haunt us. Yeah. That's why, and, as we speak, the, um, you know, one of the major assets that we are leaving behind in Afghanistan is their U.S. and NATO trained uh, pilots, their military right. pilots, yep. who are now being systematically executed by the Taliban. Message. They're getting them right yeah. where they live in the restaurants, out with their families, whatever. They're, they're killing them all because they know without that, there goes your air superiority, there goes your air cover. Yeah. It's back to this village by village takeover shit. Oh, yeah. And the Afghani, their regular rank and file, <laughs> they have no stomach to go at it, you know, blades out with. with the Taliban. Yeah. They have no stomach for it. I can't yeah. say I blame them, you know? No, not at all. So that whole situation is back to square one, and now you just get to add the new protagonist, in this case, China. <laughs> Good luck, folks. Have fun, guys. God bless. All you now. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Good luck. So is that our, our, our mid-show segue uh, tangent that we need to dig out of? Perhaps. Perhaps. Wasn't, didn't, didn't come off sounding as negative as I thought it was. No. It's going to be when we discussed it prior to, and you know, there's some interesting seed planting here and interesting theories going on here. And if you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there with the whole negativity thing. Let's see what we stand to gain. Okay, all right. A distracted China is a weak China. <laughs> so you could say everything that they would say about us, and now just change the name of the country. Turn it right around right? on them. Distracted yeah. United States is no lion, which could be very amusing <laughs> to watch. Extremely, because you're also dealing with. Let's face it. Yes, they have a stronghold on the populace right now, mm-hmm. but there is definitely dissension in the ranks of China. There's Very a lot of, so. you know, the educated, the student populace are always trying to protest. And he got that whole Taiwan thing. Yes. Okay? Yes. Talk so, about a thorn up their ass. Right? Yeah. So certainly, if they're going to go in balls deep in Afghanistan, <laughs> that's not going to leave any of the toys left to play with Taiwan. Yep. So again, yep. we win. They have no idea what they're getting into. No idea. I just love the whole aspect of it. And, and I'm looking forward to watching somebody else go through this oh, shit. Yeah. You know? I got to say, whether, whether you're accurate or not, and I suspect you are, it's an amusing, <laughs> amusing idea to contemplate. It truly well, it's like is. Like I said, everything in, in history is cyclical. Uh, totally. No more so when it comes to military history. And nobody learns from anybody else. <laughs> Never. You know? <laughs> it's like, fuck them. They couldn't do it. We're going to show them how it's done. We're going to go in there. We're going to square this shit away. Yeah. No. 20 years yeah. later, no. Mm-hmm. No, no. So, yeah, good stuff. There good we fun. go. So, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. You yeah. know, remember, yeah. folks, you heard it here first. Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> it was all Michael's idea. <laughs> 
So on that note, yes. before we head into the second half or the, the second third of the show, it's much more glib and, and fun-loving. Yes. So let's have a little fun, shall we? Let's do it. What kind of jam you got for us? Well, you know, I can count the number of bands that came along in the aughts decade okay, uh, yep. that I liked on the fingers of one hand, <laughs> excluding my thumb. And uh, this is one of the few bands that I did, did dig and, uh, and had a lot of fun with and, uh, and still, still dig and have a lot of fun with. This is a band called Muse. Good choice. And uh, I think this song is a great segue into uh, what we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show. Right. And uh, we'll let people speculate on that, what that might be. <laughs> uh, we're going to hit you with Black Hole, or uh, excuse me, a track from Black Holes and Revelations, Muse's 2006 album. Uh, this is a song called Supermassive Black Hole. All right, folks. Strap yourselves in. The countdown has begun. And we'll be back in a couple more minutes with some more things.
was that? It was kind of a happening tune. I like yeah. the pacing. I like the modernization of yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of energetic. It's kind of energizing. Yeah. You know? It's refreshing, it, uh, like like a, like a like a auditory tonic. Yeah, very much wow. so. Very much so. It, it very much <laughs> sounds uh, like the odd decade. Yes. Um, but like in a context that I could dig, mm-hmm. you know, which is different than a lot of the other shit that right, came out right. during that decade. And I'm right there with you because yeah, I think of the double aughts, it's, it's kind of a barren landscape. It yeah. is, stands out uh, yeah. as, as a happening and group. And I kind of got to make a cheesy concession on this one. The first time I got I got hip to Muse and that particular song was watching the original Twilight film. Oh boy! I, <laughs> I know. Could you please I know. Uh, just and hand over it. your man card uh, now. I know. I know. I know. Cop and two. Did it. you lose a bet? Why were you watching that? In the well, first it was place? funny. Well, it it just it was late at night, and I was really high, and I was like, <laughs> you know, trawling channels. And I, I will say that when I saw that movie, it was before it blew up, and it like immediately hit me. It was like this is going to be very popular, hmm. you know, with that demographic, with the kids, right? And the sequence, the uh, the the baseball or softball or whatever they were doing sequence when they queued up, you know, uh, the Muse tune, it worked. It was like, wow, that's cool. And who the fuck is that? Right. You know, and that kind of prompted me to go looking into who is Muse, who is this band. Okay. And uh, and I got to say, I was impressed with what I found. And uh, I continue to be impressed by what they do. They're right. a very, well, very interesting fair band. But yeah. I think the big question everyone wants to know now is, are you a, a glittery vampire kind of guy? <laughs> or more of an old school, like Nosferatu, Definitely old school. Definitely of. old okay. school. I was a vampire for many, many years out in L.A. I can debate that one. I lived my life in the dark. And uh, it was kind of fun, you know, coming... Back to the light, mm-hmm. you know, but I still have those tendencies. That's fair. And yeah. I would say my own mercurial personality, which is a super nice way of putting whack job. No doubt. Uh, more uh, acting to like a, a werewolf type character. Cause you, you, you seem more Certain days more you don't werewolf. know what you're going to get, man. Yeah, yeah. And I respect <laughs> that. I do. I do. I've, I've seen you tear people up. And sure. it's, it's, it's impressive. We're all God's creatures. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That being said, what is our subtopic? Yeah, well, the segue, the segue into this uh, was the first commercial space flight by that psycho gazillionaire Richard Branson to the moon, Alice. Yes, well, Um, to the stratosphere. I gotta say, this guy's a nut. He's a complete nut. It takes a special kind of man to volunteer for a suicide mission, especially when it's on TV. Yeah, I just read something recently um, that he wrote it was like 75 times i nearly offed myself or mm-hmm. something along those lines this guy's fucking crazy he's you he's know? very original in that sense yeah he's I've like read... the blueprint for the eccentric no he totally is millionaire yeah <laughs> and I, I read all 75 and it was like uh-huh. holy shit this guy's off the hook he's how many crazy. of those were on your personal list oh uh, one or two one or two i'll comp to that <laughs> i'll comp to that i mean just the fact that the guy's fucking 70 and yeah. he's in space mm-hmm. you know i mean I got to tip my hat to that. I, yeah. I truly do. You know, he's a, he's a gazillionaire again. Mm-hmm. And he one-up Jeff Bezos on this, which was hilarious. And Elon Musk. Yeah. A.K.A. Elon Eddie Musk. Monster. Yeah. Weirdo fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but like Bezos announced, you know, when he was going to go up. Popeye looking bastard. And fucking Branson, <laughs> without any fanfare or any, you know, publicity whatsoever, said, I'm going to top that. Sure. You know, and zipped up, you know, a couple weeks beforehand. And I, I, I kind of respect that. Sure. I do, you know. Watching billionaires like, you know, dick fight amongst each other <laughs> is amusing. It's and a I'm, truly I'm amusing spectator sport. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad it didn't end in disaster. I know. I know. That was that was the like underlying fear. Yeah. I mean, I will say like commercial space flight for 
civilians, for lack of a better term, is one of the things I'll put on my list is things I did not expect to see in my lifetime. Hmm. You know, it was right up there with, like, legal weed for recreational purposes (laughs) and the repercussions of of climate change. Mm -hmm. Now, I figured I'd die before this shit went down. Right. And obviously both, you know, wrong on both occasions. And now I was wrong on commercial space flight. And it's not like I'm ever going to be able to afford it. I mean, apparently... uh, with a, at least with Branson's company, something like 600 people have already signed up mm. uh, for the commercial space flight to the tune of something like $250,000 a piece. You know, translation, quarter of a billion dollars, or a quarter of a million dollars, folks. Mm. You know, but, you know, Johnny, straight up, man, quarter of a million dollars, if you had it, if you had it to spend. Absolutely not. No? No. Why? Because, uh... As usual, I'm very old school. Okay. And I'm just... See, the thing that, that vexes me the most is how did the private sector advance so far ahead of the National Aeronautics and Space Agency? No bureaucracy. With the best and brightest minds. No you know? bureaucracy. And I guess maybe just so much time has passed, and once you know the, the lifespan of the ex-Nazis ended... Our Germans are better than their Germans. We had to start doing this <laughs> shit for real. It became a little bit harder. There's a little truth there, by the way, folks. But I think, <laughs> you know? honestly, I, I think the concept of these these space flights, I mean, it's it's amazing. And all yeah. the highlights now that we're going to see yeah. with the, what, five minutes of weightlessness, of weightlessness and whatnot. Actually, I think on this last flight, it was three minutes. Okay. I think it was. Maybe four. It might have been four minutes. Right. And it, they it's, hit the apogee of the flight. Sure. Yeah. And it, it's an amazing thing. And for lack of a better comparison, I would also say... You know, some people think cruises are the greatest thing. Yeah. You couldn't pay me to take a cruise anywhere. Really? Because I would be on that boat ride where yeah. the, the sewage pipe breaks and the only <laughs> the only sea life I see are turds floating down the hallway. Yeah, you know? and some and you're fucking st- disease out and of China, stuck, like, right. like nails everybody on the boat. There's shitty water all over the floor. Okay. Rocket. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. he's like dropping dead and the boat's haunted, you name it. <laughs> turns into a complete shit show. And then 10 years after you die, they make a movie. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. To me, there's, there's, there's too many variables. Yeah. And at the same time, if I could still summon up some childlike awe, yeah. I say damn good for them. Yeah. Because it is a massive leap in technology now it that truly private firms is. can do and this. And they knock down a wall. They truly sure. knock down a wall. I mean, you know, the idea that a private citizen... You know, for a quarter of a million dollars, which for some folks, quite honestly, is fucking pocket change. Yeah, totally. Can get up in space. And I mean, Branson in particular, I don't know if Bezos and that idiot fucking Elon Musk <laughs> are doing it. But, you know, they're running like lotteries and, right, and contests right. and whatnot where regular people can do this. And mm-hmm. I mean, I would be excluded from these people because I would want to smoke a joint when I got up there. And you can't really introduce flame you know, in that atmosphere. Right. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be coming it's down It's frowned again. upon. It's yeah, frowned it's upon. frowned upon. But I would be willing to take that risk. I would, just to say, I smoked a joint, you know. Or at, a celebratory cigar that ends in a fireball. Yeah, at 55 <laughs> fucking miles up, you know, when you're right at the edge. Apparently, with this particular flight, they were right on the edge where they could see space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the border, for lack of a better term, between Earth's atmosphere and space. You know, they didn't actually, you know, launch, you know, full on like the space shuttle would, but they got to that point. They got to that point that was weightlessness, you know? Mm. And I would have to have something to commemorate that. Right. You know, whether it was a cigar or a joint or something, <laughs> you know, and people would so freak out. So you've seen out. Armageddon too many times. I probably so. So when you yeah. came back to ground, they tear off their own arm patch. <laughs> this is for you. 
Then you can start referring to yourself in third person as the space cowboy. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> you know, and as fucking crazy as Branson is, I gotta uh-huh. I gotta give him props on the name of his company, Spaceport America. Mm-hmm. You know, and no bullshit. They landed in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. That's perfect. Right? That's where the company is based. And that's, I, I love Branson for that. I never met the fucking guy, <laughs> never will meet the fucking guy. Yep. But for that, I love him. Yeah. I love him to death. And he's know? been in, in the spotlight for so long, whether it be founding, you know what? But did he do Virgin, Virgin Records? Airlines. Uh, Virgin, Virgin Airlines, Virgin Records. Right. So, yeah. I mean, he's been, since the Robin Leach TV show, this guy's oh, yeah. been, you oh, know. Oh, dude, going way back, they had the Sex Pistols on the label no at one point. He dealt with them. Branson's fucking seven years old. Yeah. He's going up in space. Whereas the other two are kind of like Johnny Come Lately's. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, Bezos, yeah, Amazon, something about the company just scares me. I'm sorry. Bezos' name for his fucking space venture is Blue Origin. And Elon Musk, the fucking weirdo, SpaceX. It's like, really, guys? Yeah, nothing there. Now, as far as Bezos goes, I can't say anything good about him because as much as I love ordering off Amazon, I really hate when they <laughs> hand off my shit to the post service. Yeah. That's like the lazy way out. I want the fucking van to show up in the driveway so I get it on time. I'm hearing you. But that's the story for another day. Indeed. Then he got this other ass clown, uh, <laughs> Elon Musk, who speaks a language. I don't even know what that is. Dude, he went on Saturday Night Live just to show the world what a fucking douchebag he is. I think he just wanted to show the world that he's actually, he can cast a reflection and he's not a vampire. Good point. Because he's a creepy dude. He's a way creepy dude. And the thing is, you know, I hate that, you know, even though he's got all was great technology and, and really spearheaded the electric car movement, nobody's holding his ass to the fire when they discuss how long it takes to actually responsibly just get rid of his batteries from these cars. <laughs> because if the actual uh, of a normal car battery lasts like, what, several hundred years? At least. These other ones he does are like a thousand. Where are mm-hmm. they going to put these batteries someday? Yeah, thanks, Elon. Right? And for yeah. some reason, nobody talks about this or mm. the fiery cocoon that his cars have a bad <laughs> habit of turning into just on a whim sometimes. Yes. And the fact that his girlfriend's really creepy and ugly. Thank you. I had to get off my chest. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. It had to be said. Right? I think him and... We're going to catch hell for Him it. Him and Tim but Burton have the same said. wife, don't they? It's uh, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> I like her. She's kind of cool. Kind of creepy, creepy, but kind of cool. Creepy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Branson, bravo, brother. Good. Good good for you. <laughs> well, if you had a, a commercial, well, I guess, yeah, commercial or vacation-y uh, space airline, what would you call it? Um... Go fuck yourself, airlines, or something. Oh, no, not on Wednesdays. Nope. Every other oh, day of the week. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, something that would appeal to the imagination and the better nature of people. Aw, you know, so something Star along Trekian. those lines. You know, I thought it would have a name like like some kind of Doobage or Potter. You know, <laughs> Doobage Airways. Or... I think for space flight, I'd make a reference to LSD. I think I would uh, okay. something something psychedelic. Okay, you know, and I would probably promote that. You know, mushroom tea at the apogee. Uh, you know what see, I'm saying? See, yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you, you go. Know, a little psychedelia. All right. You know, uh, something along those lines. I, I definitely would. And I would, you know, actively sell that point. You know, we're going to brew a little tea. We're going to take it with us. <laughs> when we get to that point, we're all going to have a sip. And, uh-huh. and it'll be a memorable experience, you know, exponentially. Something along those lines, I think. <laughs> you know, that, that sets the bar. It does. Uh-huh. It sets it high, so to speak. Part of it, the point. It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But you know something a little better than Blue Origin or SpaceX. Yeah, Blue you know? Origin sounds like a like a generic Viagra. Kind of right does. There. Yeah. Uh, and as far as SpaceX, yeah, that's like super generic. Yeah. Even for me, that's that's too generic. I mean, even Branson Spaceport America, that's kind of 
it kind of states this is what we're doing. You know, it's not bullshit. You yeah. know, I hear, you know, Blue Origin or SpaceX. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, mine would have to be something menacing. Yeah. Well, like, I, I would expect that. God's fist airways <laughs> or some shit like that. or Thor's hammer. Right, you know, right. Something along those if lines. Because yeah. if you're going to hurl a giant chunk of metal through space, let's call it what it is. Which is kind of what it is. Giant it's, chunk of metal in space airways. I like it. I Maybe like there's it. an acronym to be had there. I'll, I I'll think it has it potential. Yeah, the acronym thing. That would be a good way to go. Yeah. And I that like goes it. back from my days of, of having traveled a lot. Yes. And uh, I would always just be amazed at people who would seek out comfort on an airline. That's bizarre. And I'm looking at them like, bitch, do you know how an airplane even works? Like these engines stop, we are plummeting to our depths. Oh, there's a there's a <laughs> big reason why. <laughs> back. No if ands or can I have a pillow? Yeah, bitch, what is that going to do if we lose compression? Well, back in the day when I used to live in L.A. and fly to the East Coast on a regular basis, I would mm. make it a point to get as high as I possibly could before I got on the plane at right. LAX. For that very reason, it was yes. like if I'm going to go down, this is the state of mind I want to go down right. in. Because you know, they say you're dead before you hit the ground, but I wonder. Yeah. I mean, a, a tubby guy like me, f- I'm having a heart attack on the, the way down. How the would you know that even, you know? But, it's, I mean, I wouldn't mind. It, put it this way. I would rather go up in a plane made of paper, like an old World War II biplane, yep. than like a private jet. Because, again, if you lose the engines on that, you're plummeting to your death. Whereas, at least if the engines cut out of a biplane, you can kind of glide it in. You kind of could. Yeah. 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 And it was also a reason, to get there, but. you know, and I want to I wanna say this. Uh, in reference to all the bullshit that's going on right now in the sky. I mean, it's not new, and I used to do it myself to down as many drinks as you could possibly work out of the stewardesses, or excuse me, flight attendants is the right, term these right. days. But I never lost my shit in the air. And what's up with that, yeah. right? People are fucking In fact, stupid. a lot of places are just, they've discontinued liquor on the planes yes, because of have. all the stuff that's happening. Yeah. And for my money, that's reason enough to hit the person next to you. Exactly. Just blame them. Yeah. Like I'm, it's Walmart. Well, that's <laughs> like the opposite effect that I would suffer from is like, I'm way too fucking sober for this. I'm beating the shit out of this asshole next to me. Yeah. You know? Because I needed really, a few drinks to tolerate this clown. Or you know? to, to tolerate the experience yeah. of flying. Pretty much. That's why they started serving liquor on a plane. Not because they had nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's out of your hands. It's out of your control. What's going to happen is going to happen. you got nothing to do with it, so you might as well have a few drinks, kick back, and relax. You know, the average co-pilot of a jet that requires, like, two pilots, the co-pilot makes about twenty grand a year. That's disturbing. <laughs> That's extremely disturbing. <laughs> now, the captain, he's, he's hundred grand more, over sure, six figures. Sure. But literally, the co-pilot, twenty to twenty-five grand. And most wow. of these guys are ex-military. You. So it's just like, you've got a qualified person not making anything. Well, you know, if I was that dude and somebody got, like, a little fucking out-of-controlling coach... I'd be looking to come out of the pilot's oh, area of and beat the shit out of that clown. Yes. You know, I'd be I'd be venting on that idiot. <laughs> you know, and the, I make uh, twenty five grand a year. I'm kicking your ass. And the right flight now. crews, God bless them, because they could be some demanding oh, assholes God. too. Yeah, really. They only get paid as the plane's engines are running. Okay. Really? Yes. Yeah, so when you board, start boarding a plane. You might hear that little whine of the engine because it's already been fueled and cleaned and whatnot. Right, right. But that's why they always seem to come on at the last minute because they only get paid when they're on that plane and the engines are running. Yeah. And then once everything's off, that's why they're like, get off, get off, get off. Hi, thanks yeah. for coming. Get off, get off, get off. So they can get the hell out of there and get liquored up and get well, to their hotels. It's kind of disturbing to hear because if the plane goes down and I'm one of those people, you're on your fucking own. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm grabbing the fucking seat. I'm jumping out of the plane. Screw you. Find the exit yeah. yourself. I'm out. I always thought it would be a great skit for SNL to do just, <laughs> just to have. Jesus. Like the new 
flight attendant like on her first day or whatever <laughs> and they hit turbulence and she sits in like that little jump seat they pull down yeah. and just starts swearing praying every god she can think of and just generally freaking out just to watch the expression on the other passengers faces I know it's a little dark but I think it just would be a hysterical little? yeah <laughs> Jesus God are we digressing here wow right I think it's time for another gem I completely agree with Lordy, you Lordy. what are we gonna throw out now was well it, this was a Johnny call this was a Johnny yes. call and I tell you what if your last gem launched our crowd into the stratosphere. Yes. I'm about to take them to the moon. There we go. Because we're coming right at them with the Beastie Boys. Ho! Doing a little intergalactic. Yes. Like a pinch on the neck for Mr. Spock. There we go. We'll be back in a couple minutes, folks. <laughs> Mr. Spock! <laughs> 
nice. I mean, everything that's right about a Godzilla movie is right <laughs> about the video for Intergalactic. And it's just a, it's a great crossover town. Yeah. Now, was that the first time we went Beastie Boys? Uh, on this show, yes, sir, yeah, it is. All right, all right. Broke we some new resisted ground there. the temptation, right? On a couple of occasions, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because I think, ironically, the other uh, big hit off this album, which, by the way, was um, Hello Nasty from 1998, uh, would have been Sabotage. Yep. And we veered away from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I do remember contemplating that. Yeah. yeah well, if, if, um, also, we looked at from uh, License to Ill, maybe. Um, you know, you got to fight for your right to party because right. that would kind of you know fit in. That would have been a uh, pretty obvious, yeah. you know. And it's kind of funny because I pretty much associate the Beasties with the late '80s, early mm-hmm. '90s. Mm-hmm. It's like when the uh, when the '90s music explosion, if you will, happened, the alternative music explosion. The Beasties were kind of like uh, I don't know, grand. Not, I don't want to say grandfathers, but, but they were they were a, an established yes uh, I know band that saying. that everybody looked up to, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of gave a nod to, like you know, they were the successful model of blah blah right. blah. Right. And I do remember how controversial they were when they mm-hmm. broke through in the late eighties with you know fight for your right to party and whatnot. Yep. You know, I think they were the first. Um, and I may get killed with the fucking politically correct oh, crew for saying go. this. They were the first white guys, yeah. you know, to really venture into that territory. Yep. You know, and they had Rick Rubin with them. You know, and jury's out on whether or not he's a douchebag or not. <laughs> but even the, the the black hip hop artists at the time recognized and respected the Beastie they did. Boys. They very much did. You know, just very similar to the way they did Eminem. They figured, yeah. well, the kid's legit, so yeah, you know, drop the labels, and yeah, let's just listen to his tunes. Yeah. And it was something that everybody could get into, you yeah. know. And the Beastie Boys really did, before one of them passed on, I think it was Adam Yonk, mm-hmm. they became, you know, a very respected... Oh, yeah. Um, like the elder statesman of the Elder statesman, that's yeah. the term I was looking for, yeah. And, you know, much respect to them. Yeah. And, and they were truly artists, yeah. you know. Maybe, you know, when you heard Fight for Your Right to Party, you know, they were just smart-ass kids. Sure. But they became that exalted... You know, older statesmen kind of band over the years, mm-hmm. given their production. I mean, they became artists in in just about everybody's eyes. And I tell you what, Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Public, if you could be a fly in a wall for this episode, <laughs> not for what we're like saying on the mic, but what we're talking about in between yes. the different sessions. Yes. You know, one of the things uh, we, we touched on that was way back in 1998, how diametrically opposed <laughs> the 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 arcs of Michael and I's lives were going at that point. This is true. Where I this was in a true. death spiral going down <laughs> for the count. He was like living I mean, the, the life of Riley. Yeah, it was it was peeking peeking out in LA, man. Right? It, it Jet planes, was. he's drinking champagne out of out of high heel shoes. Yeah, it was back crazy. in the day, man. Back in the day. Oh man. But then again when I crashed and burned in the late, you know, aught cocaine is a hell of a drug. Decade, that's when it rolls in reverse. Yeah, that's when Johnny was flying yeah. high. He had he had come back. He had staged They'd the back back, back from complete. the dead. You know? I mean, late nineties shit. I was like the little the the dirty face street urchin saying, "Lisa, <laughs> could I have some more? <laughs> you want more?" Yeah, it's just it's funny parallels. And yeah. yeah, when you go back go back through the history of, I mean, you know, both of us have have experienced the you know. Extreme highs. And oh, the agony and the ecstasy, man, <laughs> of the life, you know. And then we started uh, at the bottom, and now we're here. Yeah, a nice little plateau, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice, uh, my uh, a halfway, yeah, if you will, between yeah. you know the overly indulgent uh, 
past that we both had. Sure. I mean, look, know? we still have our vices, but yeah. we're, we're otherwise upstanding pillars of the community. Oof. Relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. Depending on the community. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What time of day it is and what day of the week it is. Well, it's just, it's, it's kind of funny, and I'm sure you've experienced this too in, in, you know, some of the things we do during the day when the sun's out, when, you know, we choose to appear. Yep. Um, you know, the young people, yeah. you know, and the way we are regarded. And it's kind of like, kid, yeah. if you only knew. If I mean, years ago, people would, would say to me, because I've always been a, a clean-cut apparition. Yeah. Uh, they would say, oh, would you mind watching my child? And I'm like, why? Is he going to do a <laughs> trick or something? Whereas nowadays, I'd be like, sure, go about your business and we'll be right here. Oh, you my know. goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's yeah. the curse of a baby face. Everybody wants to trust you. Well, it's kind of funny because at this point, I kind of feel the need to uh, influence, you know, those kids to it's light the fire thing, isn't it? To, yeah. to push the envelope, yeah. to, to, you know, go out there and see what you can find. both of us don't have offspring. That yeah. we know of, that yeah. we can pass any of this adventures to. Dude, you just hit the hit the nail on the head with the. So we're pulling we strangers off of. the street. Like, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you a story, and they're like, "Let go of me." I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is church. Mind your manners, like that. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 nice to know that you know my partner has been there and back just like I have. Yep. You know, and we got some common ground, you know. And that's you, why we get along. Yeah. You know, and when you're young, that's kind of your duty to push the envelope. Yep. To take it out there. And, you know, it's kind of like surfing. You know, your job is to get through the tube and tell the tale. You know, and I, th- I think we both managed to accomplish that. Wow. You know, because I know in, you know, definitely in your case, it, it could have ended badly. Yeah, my but, thing was always just trying to outlive all your enemies so you could pretty piss much, in a grave. But, pretty much. But yeah. I like your analogy, too. Yeah, it's like, okay, <laughs> how many times have your friends written you off? How many times have they said, yeah. oh, he's done? You yep. know, and yet somehow, some way, you know, you come out the other side and you're still there. And there's some valuable knowledge mm-hmm. uh, to be gained from that and some wisdom to be gained. You sure. know, I, I, I truly think to this day regardless of the outcome of my life, that you really should push the envelope. Mm. You know, you should... You, you, and it's kind of a dovetail to the, to the Branson uh, topic, you know, that we were talking about. You know, this guy, you know, regardless of who he is and what he does, he pushes the envelope. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, that you know, the thing he wrote about the 75 times I probably should have died, you know, you don't have to be a gazillionaire to do that in your life, right. you know, but you've, you're kind of obligated... You know, you're given this opportunity, and fuck knows, we might not have another opportunity. I don't right. believe in reincarnation. You know, not to Shirley MacLaine, respect, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you should push the envelope. Let's see what's out there. Let's see what we can accomplish. Let's see what we can learn. Hmm. You know, and then, like I said, the, the, the true uh, object, the true focus should be to come back and tell the tale. Mm. You know, you really should share that with other people. Share it with the younger generation. What did you learn, right. you know, in these experiences? Because some things make more sense coming from us yeah. than like a parent. Oh, God. You no. know. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to play that role. You yeah. know, like you said, as far as I know, mm, no offspring out there. Yeah. Remember this, kids. No never means yes. Yeah. You know, because if you're a parent, <laughs> you kind of have a responsibility to get your kid through it. Right. You know, as opposed to encouraging your kid to push that envelope that may result in, you know, I don't know, bad things, mm-hmm. whatever. But, uh, but since, yeah, since neither of us have gone down that road, Oof. yeah, we, you know, with a... With a it looks with like a, when people still say, well, there's still time. Uh, I know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, I'd like to slap those people. <laughs> slap them. Meanwhile, they got 20 kids. It's yeah, like, oof. Don't waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
But anyway. But anyway, we digress. Yes, we do. Johnny, what's coming up in Big Boom Radio this week? Oh, you were, my you were talking goodness in, gracious. Uh, a wheelhouse of mine, alternative uh, bands, uh, 90s bands being focused yep, upon yep. coming out. What, what are we doing here? And it's funny. Well, we just had one of these weeks. It's coming up next week. And each uh, day of the week on the Classic Rock Showcase, yeah, it's like grunge week, kind of, sort of. All right. With a nice wrap-up at the end, because we start off with Nirvana. Nice. Then we got uh, Soundgarden. Yeah. And then Wednesday is Alice in Chains. Tasty. Thursday is Stone Temple Pilots. Good stuff. And then Friday kind of wraps it all up with Foo Fighters. <laughs> so, again, <laughs> nice. you come back to where you started, you yep. know? Yep, yep. And not to the Foo Fighters. I don't really consider them a, a quote-unquote grunge band. Mm-hmm. But, you and know, I would never consider them a classic rock band. But then again, they're carrying the torch since the mid nineties. Yeah, I mean, man, they're carrying the torch. You know, I mean, you know, the whole rock and roll hall of fame. And who are we this. to question the? the oh God, no! Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the wisdom yes. of the yeah those assholes. <laughs> but anyway, but no props to Dave Grohl for you know. I mean, you talk about an example of living through it. Yeah, you know, and coming out the other side, mm-hmm. telling the tale. You know, Dave has done that. You know. Um, I think members of his band yeah. have definitely done that. Pat Smear, who mm-hmm. is, you know, once upon a time a member of the Germs. I don't know how many people wow. know their punk rock history, but that was an experience that Pat lived through, and uh, and I'm sure he, you know, gained some uh, mm-hmm. wisdom from that. You know, working with Darby Crash. Yep. Um, you know, props to those guys for you know still yeah. going out there and doing the thing. And it was nice, you know, throwing in that that relative, you know, new groups in there because it's very easy for Johnny. To go on a flight of fancy <laughs> and dig into the funky seventies. Oh yeah, you know. And, oh, and yeah. last week, like I said, we just did an episode with Foghat, nice. which I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm sure. But now, like my, my, my peepers are looking over the stuff, and I'm looking at Rainbow, yep. and Steppenwolf, <laughs> and I'm like, man, can I get an hour out of them without digging too deep? I know people would like this. Yeah, man, I don't know if, if and I'm here. I'm going to sound like the fucking old guy, but you know, I'm kind of envious of the kids these days because they have so much. Uh, music from the past to draw Indeed. upon. Yes. You know, so many different influences, so many different things that led up to today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, that's, With that, that's a sounding thing, old-timey. Then. That's yeah. the kicker. Because if you think about modern studio technology, there's definitely a drop-off if you listen, even if you get, you know, remastered copies yeah. of a lot of stuff in the 50s and 60s. No doubt. It just doesn't sound good, you it's know, true. unless you're it's really true. into that that particular overly PA'd kind of raw sound. Yeah. But really, from like 1970 on, the studio technology is such that it's it's, you know, it's a lot more technical now and it's a lot more digital. But the techniques and everything that they use to kind of clean up the sound oh, yeah. hasn't changed a whole lot, and it sounds modern. And oh, yeah. I would actually love to do a panel of say late college age students listening to college radio, yeah. okay. And throw in occasional tunes by like Grand Funk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how many times has like Jimmy Page gone back and remastered Zeppelin? Right, you right. know to keep up with the technology yep. and how much better we can make it sound. You and know? at the risk of that being you know too popular, well then okay, let's go back and do a little fuck hat, you know, yeah. or um, Christ. There's, there, there's something appealing about every once in a while like listening to a Beatles like mono recording. Yeah. If yeah. if no other reason than it gives you some perspective on how far it's come, how far the technology yeah. has come and how good things sound now. Yeah. You know? Like I told you earlier before we were doing the broadcast tonight, I was looking through some songs and 
I came across a little ditty by Rainbow called uh, "Man on a Silver Mountain," yeah, which is a rocking tune. It is like at the literally at the top of the mountain of glam rock is Rainbow, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. And then this song is just really an ode to everything that's that. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I forgot. Maybe this is the first time I'm, I'm getting old. Yeah. I'm starting to forget songs and who did them. And then if I don't hear it for like a year, I come across, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have that experience all the time where I'll, I'll stumble across something and it was like, I forgot. Right. You know, how tasty this sounds. Yep. And yeah. I would like to think that I know every song I've got in my like three terabytes worth of music. <sighs> but at this point, Every oh. day I'm forgetting more and more. Oh, God. Just, just the, the volume of music that's, that's out there. That's what we need to go for. I think we need, like, an intern for Big Boom Radio. <laughs> Seriously. It's, yeah. It's, it's got to be a way to do this. Somebody who's young and arrogant and thinks they know a lot more about it than we do. And can drink. Yeah. Because they oh, got to be fun. That's well, I don't want some dumbass, no, you know. fuck no. <laughs> yeah. No. That's, that's rec- you know, prerequisite number one is you can hold your alcohol. Yes. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. just like uh, John Goodman said in, was it, Kong or Skull Island? Yeah. My father always told me, <laughs> never hold it against a man how much he drinks. It's just, no, no, uh, where he drinks, it's how well he holds it. Afterwards. There we go. There we go. And there's, there's, there's got to be some Generation Z kids out there that can hold their alcohol. They must be out there. I'll, I'll yeah. put a flyer out. We'll there see we what go. happens. Yeah, I think right. we should do that. And I'll tell you what, you people out there listening, if you think you, well, first you got to live in the, shit, let's just say Connecticut. Because <laughs> <laughs> got a, New England. Right, because when we first bring it to the studio, we're going to chloroform yeah. you and blindfold you. So just, let's just say yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, just heads up. Right, and um, leave a, like an ice number on your cell phone when you show up. <laughs> but uh, yes, if you would like to be an intern at Big Boom Radio and learn the podcasting biz and the yeah. broadcasting biz, drop me a line. Yeah. John at BigBoomRadio.com. Yeah, and you know, Generation Z is pretty much been portrayed as like gutless and weak. So let's see what they got. If, if, if you can hold your alcohol and you can hold your herb, come on, kids. Let's All do right. it. All right. I like that. And I like that as a nice way to kind of dovetail this, this episode. There right we there go. At the end. Yeah. All right. So as always, gang, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you on the flip side.